And then I'll say, thank you so much for, for helping me fill my quota. And they're like, what? I go, yeah, I love to make people laugh. And now I've connected. And even if it's for that one minute, I've taken them away from the humdrum of what they're doing and let them know that somebody is looking at them. Hey there, my name is Kim, and this is my podcast, Power Up Your Performance. I believe that we have the power to rewrite our stories, change the trajectory of our lives, pour love into the world, conquer monumental challenges, and that movement can be a catalyst for change. Let's grow together. Welcome to Power Up Your Performance. Hey, hey, welcome to the show. My name is Kim Peek, and I am so glad you're here with me today. I have been struck lately in talking to friends just by how many people are going through their own stuff, hard things, things that they keep to themselves until someone asks. And it's really hit me, especially as we enter this holiday season, that a lot of people are silently carrying sadness and grief, and struggles. We all have good days and bad, and as we travel through the ups and downs of life, things always feel better, even if for a brief moment, when we make time for warmth, cheerfulness, and the power of connection. Today's guest embodies this incredible mission, setting a daily quota for himself to spread laughter and joy far and wide. Martin Salama is known as the architect of the Warrior's Life Code. He specializes in helping people who feel frustrated with their life quickly shift their mindset to uncover their greatness so they can live to their true potential and enjoy life. The key to his success is he's mastered the ability to live incredibly full every day. L-I-F-E, live incredibly full every day. And we are going to talk to Martin about this acronym for the Warrior's Life Code and learn what he does to make people smile and laugh every day. I hope you enjoy this interview with Martin Salama. Welcome to the show, Martin. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Well, I'm so excited to be here, Kim. Thank you so much for having me. So you have something called the Warrior's Life Code. Can you catch us up on what is that? Right. I'm the architect of the Warrior's Life Code. And to me, life is the way I live my life, which is an acronym for live incredibly full every day. I love that. Thank you. And how did that become something that was important to you? Well, I'd like to say I was like that all my life, but I'd be lying. <laughs> I really wasn't. I've had my ups and downs just as everybody else. And um, it was after those last couple of downs, when I started to put things together, I said, you know what? It's up to me how I look at these ups and downs. And I can either be in a roller coaster where I'm going all the way from the bottom to all the way to the top and then back down again, or I can try to make them a little less, like maybe child-friendly roller coaster where they go just a little bit of bumps. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and that's really where it came from, is recognizing how you take everything. So how do you use this in your everyday life? Okay. So um, for me now, the way I use it is I wake up every morning and I write down three things I'm grateful for in my gratitude journal. And I usually, I I have one of those good moleskin type so Mm. that it's like, it's, it means something. It's not just like a little piece of note, like a post-it note or something like that. 
Mm-hmm. And then I pray. I'm Orthodox Jewish, so I pray. And that's my chance to connect with God. And then after that, I say to myself, I live incredibly full every day. And has and I set myself up for success. And I look for opportunities instead of looking for problems and things that are going to put me down. Now, does it mean that I don't have problems come up in the day? Of course not. But at least I'm facing them with the right or with the better mindset. Now, I was looking at your blog and you have a story on your blog about putting joy into action, or at least that's how I paraphrased it. Could you tell the audience the Jimmy the Doorman story? Oh, yeah. Okay. So this was this was right, literally right before COVID. I was down in Florida visiting my mom. And um, she had a membership to the country club, which was like, cool, let's go I, I, with my wife. We went to the country club every day. But that first day, we were waiting for my mom to come with her husband. And um, I was taking the wall. So I, I, I walked up towards the front door. And in front of me, about 10 feet in front of me, was a woman. And he, the doorman, I gave him the name Jimmy because I didn't remember what his, I, he didn't, <laughs> I didn't get his name. The doorman opened the door. I was like, hi, how are you? Welcome back. And I walked up. I was like, do I get a hello like that too? He's like, yeah. And then I said, okay, cool. I said, and then we, we continued to talk and we were talking for a minute and I walked out and I came back and I said, I said to him, I love how you do this. And this is what I, this is how I feel. And I, I told him I practice life. He goes, what's life? I said, live incredibly full every day. He's like, wow, I love that. I said, okay, but don't steal it because I'm writing a book about it. He goes, okay. Here he goes, now wait, wait. Well, what was it? Now he, so I, I walked away. I came back. He goes, that's really fantastic. I love it. He goes, and he starts talking to another guest in, in the country club. He says, you got to see what this guy says. And he starts talking about it. He goes, when your book is ready, you got to let me know because I want to buy it. <laughs> And I just, it was so good because I laughed and he laughed. And and one of the things I do is I set myself up a quota every day of making somebody laugh. Oh, I love that. And when they do laugh, I turn to them, I go, thank you for making my quota today of making somebody laugh. And they look at like, what? I go, yes, my quota. I try to make somebody laugh every day. I'm like, wow. I love it. When I was in college, I had this summer job where I worked at this little gas hut. So it was like just the pumps. And then in the middle, it was a freestanding little box that I stood in and turned the pups, pumps off and on. And most people paid in cash or check back then. And so I would take <laughs> the money. But we always had a couple times a week, this grumpy old man would come in. And I made it my goal. To make him, by the end of the summer, I'm like, I am going to make this guy crack a smile. And I think it took until the week before school started again, but I got a smile out of him. But I, right. that was the kind of stuff I would do to make a boring job more fun is let's just like right. get somebody to smile. Right, right, right. So imagine if you sit, I get it. And that's what it's all about. So imagine you're online in the supermarket. Okay. And now it's your turn and you can see the cashier is not having a great day. Nine times out of 10, they're probably not. So. I try to come up like, well, maybe when she's ringing up my things, I'll make a joke or something about some of the stuff there. And then she'll laugh. And so I'll do it again, like to to engage her or him to make them laugh. 
And then I'll say, thank you so much for, for, for helping me fill my quota. And they're like, what? I go, yeah, I love to make people laugh. And now I've connected. And even if it's for that one minute, I've taken them away from the humdrum of what they're doing and let them know that somebody is looking at them. How do people respond when you do that? Do they ever say anything back? Yeah. They're like, really? Wow. One time I was in the, in the, in the supermarket and, and the cashier told the other guy that the other cashier, Oh, this guy has a thing. He makes everybody laugh. He wants to make sure that he's what? I said, yeah, I like to do that. And then I said, you know what? Why don't you turn around and pass it on to somebody else and do the same thing? They're like, wow, what a great idea. I'm going to do that. Most of the time I get great, great feedback from it. Yeah, I can imagine that you would. And I think that's so important because like what you said, people want to be seen. They want to be recognized. And so you are helping break them out of a zone that they might be in, especially in that kind of a situation. You're helping break them out of this zone where they don't think anybody's even noticing them. So I think that's huge. Yeah, thank you. And and I know what it's like to be felt like you're just a head in a room. You walk in, there's all these people in the room and you're just another person in the room. And I don't like that feeling. I'm one of those people. I want people to recognize I'm here. Huh? So I'll make sure that I, I, that's, I guess, the leader in me, but also maybe always been my need for recognition a little bit there too. So I, I'll always stand out in some way, but I like to think I stand out in positive ways. Oh, Definitely. And why do you think it's important for all of us to try to live incredibly full every day? Well, I believe that if you could encompass this, if you could embrace it, you'll go out and look at the world in a different way. And I have one of my mentors, her name is uh, Genevieve Davis. She's written these book called Magic, Becoming Magic and Going Deeper. And what she does is she takes the law, the, the law of attraction and goes deeper into it. And she talks about, she has a line, she says, the world is as you see it. So if you see the world as being a positive place, no matter what's going on around, oh, the war in Ukraine, oh, I don't like this president, who cares? Is it having an effect on your everyday to the people in Ukraine? Yes, it is. But for us, not really. Unfortunately, we live in our own little worlds. So if that's the case, if we walk out and say, I'm going to look for the positive, I'm going to look for the opportunities today, instead of saying, oh, why is everything happening to me? What's going on? Oh, no, here's another problem. If everybody turns around and says, let's look for the positive in other people, let's stop trying to figure out how to knock somebody down, we can make a huge change. Mm -hmm. And then like you said, when you encourage somebody to, now you go and do that to somebody, there's this ripple effect where your positivity, your optimism, your outlook rubs off on the people around you, even even if you don't tell them to go go do this to somebody else, just it affects them and they start treating other people differently. So yeah, I, I love this. Right. There was a movie when I was a kid called Pollyanna. And she'd go around and she'd smile to everybody. And it was in, it was taking place in the 1800s in one of these little mid, Midwestern towns. And she was always smiling and everything. And then something terrible happens to her and she's sad. And all the people she affected come back to her to get her to, to get through what she was going through because of the effect that she had on them. Yeah. So you also talk about vulnerability. Mm. Why is it important for us to be vulnerable? And then I want to ask you some follow-up questions about men. 
Okay. So I believe that, thank God for somebody like Brene Brown, who's brought the word vulnerability literally out of the closet. Okay. Because before that, you weren't allowed to be vulnerable. You weren't, nobody gave you permission. When I was growing up as a man, you had to be a certain way. You had to be strong. You had to show no weakness. You had to never ask for help and never show your emotions. But if you're vulnerable, that doesn't mean dumping your problems on somebody else, but it means showing up as your authentic self. And if you're in a relationship, not just a romantic relationship, any type of relationship, if you want the, if you want the authenticity of the other person, give them your authenticity. And then if you're having a bad day, you could say, hey, I need your help. Now, what what about men? Because we always hear that we we treat boys and girls differently from the time they're infants and toddlers, as far as we coddle girls and we tell boys, hey, go be tough. Don't don't cry. Right. How do we start to get through to men that this culture that we've created as a society is hurting them? Yeah. Well, I'd love to say this, that it starts at a young age, because as a child, I was a very sensitive kid. I took everything personally. I was emotional and I would always end up looking for my older sister in school to, to, to help me because I was so, I was, I was bullied. Okay. We didn't call it bullied back then. We called it, you were picked on mm-hmm. and you had to be strong. And, uh, but it's okay. If we, in the early ages of childhood, in the first few years of school, we start teaching them that it's okay to allow your emotions and not, and, and, to, and it's not okay to pick on other kids or to make fun of other kids or anything like that. So now it's harder for people, but I want to give you an example. When I was graduating from elementary school and in the yearbook, when they put, they have a page of the last will and Testament. Mm-hmm. And it's like just these little things that are funny for each kid. You know what they left me in my book in mine, right. a box of Kleenex tissues. Because oh. I cried so much. Oh. So they even bullied me in, 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 in the yearbook. But I have to Into say. Into forever, got, for the rest of your life. As, it's as, there. Until you stop cracking that book open, you're going to see that message. Exactly. But I have to say, I got lucky. One of the boys in, in my class was literally the oldest friend I had. Okay. Because we lived on the same block. So we were friends before we even went to school at three, four, five years old. Mm-hmm. And he was somebody that would pick on that picked on me. And a few years ago, he sent me a message through LinkedIn apologizing for the way he treated me when we were kids. Wow. And I said to him, listen, I forgave you a long time ago. And he said, I, I said, I, I forgive you now. And I forgave you a long time ago. And he, he, I gave him permission to go a little deeper. When I said that, because I had so much going on and I didn't realize the things I was getting that I was doing to others and I was putting it on to you. And I, I really apologized for all those things. And I said, it's all good. I understood that I needed to forgive him and those boys for me, not for them. Because if I didn't, I'd be resenting it my whole life. Yeah, that's so powerful because you have to let go of that stuff or it affects you forever. And how amazing that you were able to realize that early on in your life. Well, I didn't realize it early on. 
Okay. I, I did go through a long time where I resented those guys. And it happened to be a few months later, his father-in-law passed away. And I come from a very small community. As they said, I'm Orthodox Jewish. So I went to go make a condolence call because I knew his father-in-law and all that. And when we saw each other, we talked about it and we hugged. Hmm. And it was it was a nice, nice way of ending that. But it took me almost 50 years till I finally understood what was holding me back in my life. Well, that is and amazing. Release no stuff. Yeah, that's amazing. You also talk about what truly matters to you, and you say that that is relationships. Why are relationships the most important thing? To me, it's really at, at the top of the list because if you have a good relationship, like I have now with my second wife, because I, I did go through a divorce, and that was very difficult for me to, to accept and get through. And then when I went through life coach training and understanding values and all that, I recognized that I had to find somebody in my next relationship who understood my values. We had similar values because I realized looking back now that when I was in my 20s getting married, I wasn't thinking with love as much as I was thinking with lust, to be honest, Mm -hmm. thinking with the wrong head, as it were. (laughs) And I didn't know what values meant. Even I was 50 by the time I started to understand really what values were all about. Going through life coach training, I was almost 50 years old. And I realized that me and my first wife, our values were never the same. And we were in a codependent relationship. And that I loved her more than she loved me. And as a result, by her loving me less, she had the control in the relationship because. The one that loves more is always trying to get the one that loves less to love them as much. So they'll do things that go against their core beliefs because they're trying to get them to love them. So when I started dating, I would go out on these dates and I would basically interview the women on their values without them knowing they were being interviewed. It would be just part of conversation. And one day I was set up with somebody. Literally, I was set up with with a woman and we're going out and I'm She's checking the boxes, checking the boxes. I'm like, this is cool. And then I realized again, she's checking them out. Every date would go out. It would get deeper. And about a month into it, I said, I have to tell you something. And I don't need to hear it back from you, but I need to tell it to you. I'm falling in love with you because I love who I see in front of me and that you see me as I am. And you're not trying to change me. So why are relationships so important? Because with those relationships, you can let your guard down. We all have our guards, even when we're in a point where we're very strong in about ourselves, there's still times we put up those guards, but there has to be areas that you can be yourself. And if you have good relationships where you have good communication, that's where that can happen. Okay. Now I'm curious, what were some of the questions that you asked her? Do you remember? Oh, no, I don't remember. But we would, for me, my top values were family, communication honesty, authenticity. So I would say, well, how, and, and, and because we come from the same community and there are so many different levels of religion in the same Jewish community. Okay. I'm this, I'm this, I do this, but I don't do this. So we would, I would talk to make sure that we had similar religious values. Okay. And then when I would talk to her, I was like, well, how important is family to you on your list? Where would you put it? And if this came up, how would, how do you look at this situation? 
And what do you do on Saturdays? Because in community, in, in 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 the Jewish world, Friday night and Saturday is Shabbat. Everything turns off. You don't do anything. She goes, "Oh, Saturdays. Every Saturday, I go to my parents for lunch with my children." I'm like, "Okay, that's a strong family value." And it would just come up in conversation. And how I even met her is a funny story, because I I get divorced. And I, I was on a call to how to promote yourself on Facebook. And they go, you got to make sure everything on Facebook is correct. You have no stupid memes out there, nothing crazy. And that all your information is updated. I was like, oh, okay. I look, it still shows I'm married. I switch it to divorced. Within 24 hours, I get a text message or a Facebook message from a friend of mine who I know for 40 years, 30 years at the time. Now I know for 40 years. <laughs> and she says, okay, now that you're divorced, are you ready to start dating? I'm like, Kelly, you're married. <laughs> what are you talking about? She goes, no, no, no. I'm your matchmaker. My what? What are we in Fiddler on the Roof? <laughs> oh, good one. <laughs> so she says, no, no, we have this, we have this organization in our community because we're very close-knit community. When someone is single, even with the young single, medium single, or divorced, we help them get back out there and start to date or get out there and date or whatever the situation is. And we help to put them together with someone we think would be good for them. I said, I don't know if I'm ready to start dating. She goes, let's talk. So we get on a call for about an hour and she says, oh my God, I've never met a man so well put together after a divorce like you. I said, well, I guess it's the coaching that I've just gone through for the last year to become a life coach. She goes, well, you should become a divorce recovery coach. Uh, you should become a divorce coach. And I was originally a divorce recovery coach. That's and then over the years, she would set me up. So one day she calls me up and she says, you've got to take out this woman. I've been waiting for her to come into the system or to apply to this link organization for a year now. And she just put her application in. You have to take her out. I'm like, all right, Kelly, tell me about it. So she's explaining to her. I go, I don't know her. I don't know anything about her. She goes, well, Ralph and Cookie. I'm like, yeah. Ralph is my sister Linda's age, and they've been friends for the last 60 years. And Cookie is my sister Diane's age, and they've been friends. And they're about 10 and 7 years older than me. She goes, yeah. I said, okay, great. What's she to them? Their daughter. I'm like, their daughter? How old is she? Right. She goes, well, she's about 15 years younger than you. I'm like, listen, if she wants to date me, I'm in. <laughs> and the rest is history. That was this woman that I told her of. That's Sarita. Her name is Sarita. Very fun story. Okay. One more question, because I've talked to people about this too, where they're saying, when you start talking to people about your values, you it needs to be natural in conversation because understandably yeah. you want to surround yourself with people who have common values. How do you do that though? So that it doesn't sound like an interrogation. How do you make those questions sound natural? Well, I guess, I guess for me, I, I guess I, I have the gift of gab. So I love to talk. So I'll bring up subjects that I think will relate to whatever values I'm thinking about. Mm. Like let's say it's a communication. I'll say, so how's your relationship with other people in your life, your sisters, your brothers, your, your cousins, your friends. And, and, and you, you hope that through those conversations, you find out, are they complaining about stuff? 
mm-hmm. or are they accepting things that are going on? And then you, if you see somebody that's complaining all the time, you're like, okay, this is not a good one. <laughs> you know? Right. But it's about just carrying on and then picking up on the little things they're saying and continuing it from there. Now, before we started recording, you were showing me a really cool deck of cards that you have. Yeah, Would you yeah. like to tell, tell us what that's about? Sure. So as we talked about, I'm known as the architect of the warrior's life code. And the warrior part, so the life part came up after I had come through all these ups and downs of my life in 2008. When the world fell apart, I lost everything. And it took me a while to, to get out of that funk. And when I did, I said, okay, I'm going to become a life coach. Two months later, about two months before the coaching was going to start, my wife on our 24th wedding anniversary asked for a divorce. I was like, there's 364 other days she could have asked for this, looking back. But looking back now, other than our four kids, it's the best gift she ever gave me. So I did that. I went through life coach training. I figured out all my, the reason it was a good gift is it punched me in the face and said, okay, now let's figure out what I'm going to do now. Mm -hmm. And I understood I was at my low point that I needed to change. And I started going to life coach training with that in my head. And that's where life came out of that stuff, the things I'd learned, and I'd start working on myself. And eventually I came up with, I want to show people how they can live their best life, live incredibly full every day. Now comes 2020. I'm remarried. I'm having a great life. And we get hit with this little thing called COVID, right? And they say, oh, we're going to be locked down for three weeks. All right. Now it's May and we're still locked down. And I turned to my wife on a Sunday afternoon. I said, you know what? Let's go drive to the city. Let's take the kids and drive to the city. So we go. And if you know anything about New York City, driving up any of the blocks, you're lucky if you can get one or two blocks before the traffic lights catch up to you. Well, this Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, we drove straight up 6th Avenue without missing a traffic light. Turned, went straight down 5th Avenue past Museum Mile without missing a light. And I'm looking at him and I go, where is everybody? You could still go outside, keep your distance, be in the car, whatever. People aren't doing it. So I was like, why is everybody worried? Or better yet, why are we not worried? And I realized the last 10, 12 years had prepared me for anything, even COVID. So I got onto Facebook. I said, guys, let me show you how you could go from being so worried about everything. Everybody's so worried. Why are you so worried? I've been through the the ringer and I'm still here. I'm I'm getting strong every day. So I said, let me show you how to go be from a warrior to a warrior. And I use the thing just in case it's not on video because my Brooklyn accent screws up warrior to warrior. (laughs) All right. So I put together my course based on that idea of going from being a warrior to a warrior. And to me, a warrior has gone through the, through the, through the adversities of life and gotten stronger. So after I put my course together, I made cards, a card deck called the warrior to warrior card deck. And the beauty about these cards is you go through them. And if number one, if you haven't taken my course, it's a great way to get a little bit of a snippet of what I do. But if you have, it's a great way of reinforcing what you learned. And one of the things I, and, and really they're based on the things that I'd gone through in my life and then being able to turn around and make them into things that I can help other people with. And one of them was when I went through that transformation, I went from being self-conscious to self-aware. Right. And there's a big difference. So I made a card about it. All right. Self-conscious comes from a place of guilt, negative energy, conflict, doubt, guilt. Like I said, 
Self-conscious is more outward directed. It's being concerned about more about what others are thinking about you and how the situation is going to affect you. You probably react to uncomfortable situations instead of respond. Self-aware comes from a place of positive energy, acceptance, contentment, and self-assuredness. Self-awareness is more inward-facing. You have an accurate and realistic understanding of how you're responding to situations and how you feel about things. That's just one idea of the cards in there. And then how do people use these cards? How many are in the deck? So there are about uh, 33 cards plus a couple of little extra ones, but 33 that are the main things about the cards. And they go through it from the beginning to the end. And the first parts go through what I call admission, cleansing, and celebration. Admitting that things aren't the way you would like them to be and that you need to change some things. Now, there are people who have taken these cards and they call me or they a couple of weeks ago, I was at, a, at an event for a few days and somebody bought the cards the first day. She came back to me two days later. She goes, I'm still on the first card admission. Thank you for giving me permission to admit what's holding me back. And they go, great. And then the, then the next one is um, what we call celeb- cleansing. Once you've recognized that you've admitted these things, now you start to cleanse by changing the habits, changing the things that weren't working by putting in things that are good habits or things that could work. And then let's say you're losing weight. Do you wait until you lose 50 pounds or do you celebrate along the way? The little victories along the way will give you the impetus to keep going. So that's celebration. And then was there another step or is it just- Admission, cleansing, celebration. Oh, celebration. Yes. Okay. And then at the beginning of this conversation, you talked about journaling. So do you encourage people to go through this process with a journal or is it all in their head? Do they go through it with a life coach, with, with right. a family member? How? What's the best way? Well, I, I honestly believe that everybody should have a coach. After I was a coach, I was being coached and then I couldn't afford it anymore because everything that had happened in 2008 was still affecting me. And then I realized after a few years that I was coaching, but I wasn't being coached because I couldn't afford it. And I realized I couldn't afford not to be coached Uh because it was an investment because a coach is someone who can be there for you with no judgment, with support and with objectivity. Whereas if you go to a family or friend, even if they try to be objective, you think that they have, you have an emotional tie to them. So you think they're judging you. Uh Well, that's what's great about coaching. And my course is is designed in a way to go step by step and there's homeworks along the way that you download. And you if you buy the whole big course, then you download the, the things and you do the work because it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time and it takes work. Yeah. Now, how can people work with you? Where do they go? Okay. So I have this website that I started. It's called connectwithmartin.com. Very simple. You can go there. You can get some free gifts. You can buy my cards on the site. You can buy my book. And there's some free gifts on there as well. Like I came up with a coloring book for kids called The Seven Tips You Must Teach Your Children About Abundant Warrior Mindset. And people loved it so much that they asked me to make one for adults too. So you can get- I was going to ask you about that because I think that a coloring book is something that's unique. So. I guess it makes sense why you made a coloring book for kids because it's they're they're used to receiving information in that way. Right. And then 
I mean, I can see how it grew into the adults too, because people coloring, there's somebody who did a podcast episode about this, how coloring is therapeutic. It is. It is. And you know what? It's okay to color outside the lines. Ooh, good one. Good one. (laughs) For all those, those, oh no, I got to stay in line. It's all right. No, nobody's going to judge you. Yeah, good one. Now, are there any things that you would like, any thoughts you'd like to leave the audience with that I have not asked you about yet? Yeah. So I, one of the things I try to practice is that with my live incredibly full every day, I have a positive attitude. I'm smiling all the time. And I have a quota that every day I try to get somebody to laugh. And when they do laugh, I thank them for helping me fill my quota. And they look at me and like, what? I'm like, yeah, I have a quota that I need to make somebody laugh every day. And they look at me and they go, huh, that's interesting. And they like start to internalize it. Like, wow, that was so nice. I I usually do it with cashiers because they're sitting there doing their things like, and I say, I make a joke about something that comes up and they laugh and then I thank them. And then when they start to internalize it, I go, why don't you do it with somebody else later today? Pass it on. So that's my my thing for them. Go out, make somebody laugh, and then thank them for it. Because making them laugh is only a part of it. It's not enough. When you thank them for it, now you're going out of the way and you're showing them that they're important. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being on the show with me today. It was great talking to you. Well, thank you. I've, I've had such a blast. Thank you for joining me for season four of Power Up Your Performance. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend, rate, review, and follow. Dream big and get out there and explore.